0: Welcome to this edition of DCS Talks, a podcast production of the Tennessee Department of Children's Services. The intention of DCS Talks is to promote dialogue among child welfare professionals, foster parents, and the entire community about ways to prevent child abuse and neglect. March is National Social Work Month, which is a great time to celebrate the profession and the contributions of the field of social work in child welfare. In honor of National Social Work Month, I'm interviewing social worker Crystal Parker, who is a licensed advanced practice social worker, or LAPSW, who serves as the executive director at the Department of Children's Services. Ms. Parker provides leadership and guidance at DCS in the licensing division, provider monitoring and evaluation performance and quality improvement, data quality team, provider quality team, accreditation and policy development unit. Ms. Parker, we are really happy to have you speak with us today and the importance of social work practice here at DCS and how much we value the knowledge, skills, and ethics that social workers bring to advocating for the family and children that are served by the department. Crystal Parker, welcome to DCS Talk. Hi, Serena. Thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, Now, Ms. Parker, I know that you started out in direct service as a team leader in child welfare. Can you tell us about your career path and some of your experiences in this field Well, Serena, I started out actually
1: in a congregate care facility, started working at what we call one of our level three providers. So it's a facility that works with our juveniles and I began my career there as a counselor. I worked there for a little while before coming over to DCS. And so I've been with DCS for 17 years in May, actually. I'm really excited about that.
0: Great. Congratulations. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I started out as a team leader, which at the time, it was kind of an arm of our Child Protective Services, doing prevention services. And so I started out as a team leader way back then, and I've kind of worked my way through the ranks at DCS. I spent a little bit of time as the director of child programs over at Care before I took my current role as the executive director for the Office of Continuous Quality Improvements about almost four years ago.
0: So I'm coming up on an anniversary. Fantastic. As a team leader and coming in, you were working directly with families a lot. You were also coaching and mentoring case managers at that level. And I know you've had a lot of different experiences since then into your current role. And in the field of social work, that direct service, working direct with families and we often refer that as micro work and then the work you're doing now is macro social work and for our listeners can you explain the difference in roles between micro and macro social work well
1: if you're a micro social worker It's often referred to really as like a clinical level. So you're working one-on-one with whether it's a patient or a family or a child or an adult. We have lots of different terms for clients, people that we serve. So it's usually a one-on-one individual level. Like I said, often at a clinical level where you may be treating patients, you may be helping with case management services, those kinds of things. Whereas if you're working at the macro level, you're working at at what we call a systems level. So it's more like large groups of people that you're serving. So it could be work on policy. It could be work on advocacy. It could be work as legislative liaison of some sort to help inform our policy makers and our rule developers about social work and how our world works with the
0: the people that we serve. So in many ways, a micro level social worker is conducting work one-on-one with our clients like you say and it actually informs the work that you're doing at that macro level yeah
1: so there's i'm glad you brought that up there's really actually even a, a meso level in between there too that's often forgotten about and that's yeah. really kind of that mid-level so like a school system where you may be working with a large group of of children and or perhaps even educators, but then you're also working one-on-one or like in a workplace where you may be working one-on-one with individual employees, but you also could be working on behalf of the, the employee population. So there's there's actually kind of three different levels, but you're absolutely right. These three levels work in tandem to inform and educate and
0: assist one another in
1: our daily work.
0: That is really helpful to understand those different levels. And maybe you could speak to just a little bit about how being trauma-informed is important at that micro, meso, and macro level. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, one of the things that I always come back to as, as a social worker in my work now is I really think about how what differentiates a social worker from someone who may be working in the helping field, so to speak, is largely mm-hmm. a part of our code of ethics There's several different things in our code of ethics that really drive how we do our work as social workers every day. And so one of the things, for example, is self-determination. And that means that whoever we're working with, we need to make sure that as a social worker that we understand and give credit to that individual's right to choose, whether it's choosing therapy, Mm -hmm. choosing not therapy, choosing to act in a certain way, choosing to engage in treatment, choosing to attend the court session or not attend the court session or whatever the case may be. That's right. one of the things that, that we have to respect as social workers is self-determination. And we also kind of go back to the clinical perspective and thinking about as a social worker, as you said, to answer your question more directly around being trauma-informed, Social workers are educated about human behavior. We learn all about different kinds of mental health diagnosis and all different ways that those diagnoses impact the behavior that people display, and it also impacts the choices that people make. And some of those things may be foreign or hard for us to understand or comprehend, but when we look at why people are making the choices and making the decisions that they're making or saying the things that may seem illogical on the surface. When we really dig down and get to know those people individually and understand their story and what things may have happened to them and how that has impacted their life up to this point and then also impacts the decisions that they're making now, it just helps us understand and be able to walk that path with the person that we're talking with and kind of help understand their story how they got to be to the place that they are now. And then that helps us as social workers understand how we can best shape our behavior and our word choice and our interactions with that person to best be able to connect with that person and help them get to a point that is a successful place for that person.
0: I really appreciate that you say that because, you know, when you're working direct service with a client or a family, it's so important to have that policy behind you that's gonna allow you to have enough flexibility to provide that self-determination practice with a client. So it's aligned with social work ethics, which has truly impacted child welfare from the bottom to the top in so many ways. And I know that you've done that at all levels of your career. At this executive leader level, your work is definitely more macro. Yeah, what are so, you talked about it, but how does social work practice inform the work you do at this executive level? Well, there's a few different
1: ways that the social work perspective kind of informs and drives my practice day to day. Some of those kind of come from that code of ethics and some of that's just from the training as a social worker. One thing that that really drives my practice is, is integrity. It's so important that we follow through with the words that we say with the actions that we say we're going to do and that we're transparent in every way that we possibly can be with departmental and mm-hmm. services oftentimes unfortunately we can't be transparent about everything because there may be an investigation or something like that but when it comes to work with families and with children we want to make sure that our actions and our words match up and another thing from social work that that drives my practice daily is staying within my scope and so day to day we're faced at my level with a variety of different Obstacles and things that we have to to look at and respond to and adjust our policies or our practices or form a work group or whatever the case. And so, in doing that, I always try to make sure that I'm staying within my parameters of what I'm educated about, that my specialize, Mm -hmm. what I understand, what my expertise is, and if I know that this is getting outside of the lines of what I know, then to pull in another expert whether it's another social worker who has experience in that particular area or if it's somebody from our child health unit, for example, or our juvenile justice unit or our education staff. But it's for me, it's very important that we are surrounded at central office with just a variety of super educated and informed practitioners, and we rely on one another to have a holistic view of whatever the problem is that we're trying to address. And so that's one of the things that that I definitely pull from my, my social work practice. Um, and then also a the commitment to continuous education. I'm constantly, and I'm so grateful for something like this, where we get to, to talk about our work within DCS, but also to help kind of educate about Just social work in general, what it is and why we do it and how it how it works. But I'm constantly taking classes from from your division, Serena, from looking at online and and trying to figure out if there's something I don't know about or something I have an interest in, if there's some way that I can help better my myself and or widen my own parameters so that whenever something does come up. I have a, a more educated, wider lens through which to view it. And then also, I'm <laughs> rightly so as the ED for continuous quality improvement, I am committed to continuous quality improvement, but not yeah. just that of course, like the central office executive level, but I am I'm constantly trying to empower my directors and for them to empower their teams and our regional staff that we do need to strive to continually improve our practices. It's just paramount that all levels involved within the department, that we have an opportunity to voice whatever the concern is, to say, hey, this doesn't line up this isn't making sense, you know, we need to change this, we need to do this a different way, we need to rewrite this policy, whatever the case is, to have a voice and a channel to get that information up to central office, and then us to take that suggestion, look at it very seriously, and from the viewpoint that it came to us, understanding all the nuances that got it there. So that's another thing about from a social work perspective in my daily work as an executive level is how can, as you said, how can I, be a good social worker? (laughs) How can I best represent my discipline at this level? And I think lastly, Mm -hmm. a really important part about being a social worker in central office for DCS is that when I look at a lot of data every day and data, when you look at numbers, some of us think that's think that that looking at numbers is incredibly thrilling and exciting, and some of us look at numbers and think, oh, dread, this is something to help me sleep at night. But at this level, when we're looking at numbers, we have to be very mindful every day that every number represents a child, a family, an employee, a story, and many times Mm -hmm. those numbers represent some kind of adversity for whoever the person is. And so keeping that in mind as we're looking at that data really helps us stay grounded and helps us make thoughtful,
0: informed decisions. I really appreciate this thread throughout your career and, and your work um, in terms of being resourceful and interdisciplinary and seeking new knowledge and integrating more information and developing a better plan and whether that's a permanency plan with a family or it's a plan to work on a policy or it's a plan to make operations better for our staff. That ongoing gathering of information and different perspectives and being able to assess that and make it cohesive. Sounds like a thread throughout your work as a social worker. That's what you bring to your career path in child welfare and as well as others do too that I know. And I know you know many social workers. What are some of the different types of jobs or positions that some social workers do that work with you or or you know of?
1: In my particular area, some of the folks who are within each of the units that you listed out earlier, they are social workers and they're doing work that's, I guess, kind of non-traditional social work. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful to have other social workers at the table. So in the units within continuous quality improvement, for example, we have due process and we have social workers there. And those individuals are looking at the rights of someone whenever they have been substantiated for child abuse or neglect by our special investigations unit. Mm -hmm. And so looking at the rules and looking at the case and being able to line those things up to see if in fact we on a second look from the department agree that there was an infraction there very objectively that's something they they bring to that particular role which is again a very non-traditional role for a social worker that's just one example within my particular units we have our provider monitoring unit, so we have our licensing unit our monitoring and evaluation and what we call our provider quality team. And on each of those teams, we have social workers who go out and visit our provider network, those providers who are housing our youth and providing clinical services as well as residential services so the children would actually go and stay there and live there and receive 24-hour care from our providers. And so from our perspective with the government, we have to monitor those services to ensure that their quality that they are that the providers are doing what they say that they're doing and that they're providing a suitable place for the child Mm -hmm. to lay his or her head at night the employees who work there are trained and are educated on what they need to be educated on to be able to provide the best Mm -hmm. service possible to those youth so that's kind of a non-traditional social work job within our unit Within our continuous quality improvement realm, we also have our data quality team. And so in our data quality team, we also have social workers who are in those numbers, as I stated earlier, where we're looking at whether it's the number of youth and families on an employee's caseload, or if it's looking at the number of placements that a child may have had over a period of time, or if it's looking at the number of foster homes that we have in a particular geographic area. Mm-hmm. So they look at all of that data and try to overlay that with other resources to ensure that we're doing the best job that we can as civil servants for DCS. And so that's another kind of non-traditional social work role that we have. We wow. also have our performance and quality improvement unit. And those staff have dedicated their employment to the part that I said earlier about making sure that our frontline staff have a voice whenever they have concerns about maybe how we're doing business or if they have uh, suggestions okay. for improvements on ways that we can do things differently to enhance the services that we provide to families and children. Or perhaps it's something that could make us more efficient and we can do our work faster, maybe perhaps even with better quality sometimes and sometimes yeah. they do things like like voice concerns about safety whether it's a a child's safety or a family's safety or their own safety giving voice to those frontline staff and so some of those social workers are facilitate that process of continuous quality improvement and lead those groups and help those people be able to advocate for themselves and for their children and families too
0: for any Social workers who may be thinking of coming to work at the department, there's a lot of work to be done that it's not always case management. There are so many uh, different roles that social workers can take at the department that they have a lot to offer.
1: I think it's important, as we were saying, just, I'm sorry, just to add a little bit more there. I think it's important too that so many people think of such a traditional role when they think of a social worker, that it that it mm-hmm. has to be someone working one-on-one directly with, with a, a family or an adult or a child. And there's so many different roles within the department that are not that so some people right. are interested in this work but they may be intimidated by the one-on-one aspect of it and, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to, to say that there's a lot of work for macro social lo- workers at Dcs within central office but also at a regional level too that mm-hmm. there's a variety of different things that social workers can do that's not the the case management series that we're so known for mm-hmm. which um, it, here's a good opportunity to plug. Uh, I'm so grateful for our our frontline family service workers the, the people who are going out oh, yeah. and continuing to serve the community in in that traditional role but but just to add that there's there's so many different roles that aren't that so if you're interested yeah. in becoming a DCS employee there's a lot of different options as a social
0: worker there really are and back to our frontline folks we appreciate everything that you do you are the face of the department in many ways and you are a true hero to your communities to all the social workers out there to all the family service workers out there we see you we appreciate you and everything that you do well Ms. Parker, happy Social Work Month. I'm I'm so glad to to interview you in this month. And thank you for sharing some information and knowledge about social work and how it plays out in child welfare in Tennessee. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, listener, for joining us for the DCS Talks March 2022 edition. Please join DCS Talks again to hear other subject matter experts discuss ways to advocate for children and build resilient communities.